You are listening to Billionaires in Boxes, the number one podcast publicist for businesses globally. Hello and welcome to this edition of Billionaires in Boxes with me, your host, Phil Paluccia. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun today. I am joined by two very awesome people uh, who both, by the way, fitness-wise, absolutely put me to shame. I kid you not, I've been buying weights and dumbbells before this call because um, these two have embarrassed me into the point where I need to go and get fit again. Um, I am joined by Kieran O'Neill, who's all the way in Dubai, and Mel Bibbins, who's joining us from the US. Gents, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Good to have you both here. Uh, Kieran, let's kick it straight off with you, brother. I mean, for, for our audience who haven't come across you before, obviously all of your details are in the show notes and they're frantically clicking away, looking on your website, having a bit of a nosy. Bring your attention back, people. Follow the noise. Um, Kieran, why don't you give us a little bit of insight into who you are and what you do, my friend? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm the founder of Total Mental Performance. Uh, so that's the world's largest mindset coaching service dedicated to the fitness industry. And then outside of that, I have a handful of private uh, high net worth individuals. So these people are typically investors, business owners, CEOs. Um, but if we focus on total mental performance for now, day in and day out, what we see is a huge number of coaches who are absolutely shitting their pants about their competitors. They're shitting their pants about their business uh, because they're struggling with imposter syndrome. They're wrestling with overwhelm. They're getting stuck in their own heads. So uh, today, over the next 20, 30 minutes, we're going to discuss what the fuck that's actually about, and more importantly, what you can do about it. Love it, man. Love it. Hard hitting, straight to the point. Absolutely love it. Um, Mel, what about you, my friend? Well, I know what you do, but for those people who <laughs> haven't had the pleasure yet, what do you what do, you do my friend? Uh, my name is Melford Bibbins from Sarasota, Florida, and businesses hire me to optimize their systems through automation to, you know, people throw away, throw around the word 10x. 10x is too small. You should be able to multiply your business by more than 10 times once you add optimization and automation into the systems because so many business owners are so fantastic at what they do, but they have no idea that their most expensive cost, new customers. Their most, their biggest loss, losing that customer and having to regain another one. And they got to make sure that all this is moving towards one central point of automation to pull themselves out of that business. They are never going to reach their goal if they're working in their business all day, every day. There's an ability to automate so many different systems that you can pull yourself out of your business and still make 10, 20, 30 times more within a year. It's unbelievable how much you can change with just a little bit of automation and being smart about the systems you put in place for any business from med tech, gyms, can be something like what Phil does. You know, anybody who is bringing in leads and new customers, just a little bit of automation, a little bit of systemization can change the entire platform of what they do. Yeah, I can certainly testify and vouch for that. It, it makes a massive impact and we're only on the beginning of that journey, but it does, it makes a huge, huge impact. And um, I love the fact what you, as well with what you said about um, even the retention piece. I find so many people forget that piece. It drives oh. me crazy. It's like win more customers, win more customers, win more customers. And then nobody thinks about the fact that there's like a hole in the boat and everyone's just falling out the other end and no one's paid any attention to that bit because it's all about new business and new lead generation. It drives I, me crazy. I, I see guys who are willing to spend 10, 20, 30 grand a month on Facebook ads, but nothing on retention systems, <laughs> nothing to keep their customers happy. So they, they'd rather write the check. Yeah, we'll just throw away 30 grand a month, but we'll lose all the rest of them out of the back end. They would have to spend three grand a month if they were actually retaining their customers. Really nothing if they retain them properly. Mm. No, that makes total sense to me. Um, 
Kieran, I'm curious. So uh, obviously you're talking a lot about the imposter syndrome and the the fitness industry, in particularly fitness entrepreneurs. I mean, that's it's been a it's been a wild ride for them over the past 18 months, right? So how has that kind of landscape changed and, and what kind of work have you been doing with people? I mean, more importantly, what kind of things have you been coming across with people that have had to figure out how to run their business now from home and doing it remotely? Now they can't have their usual access to the gym and local marketing. What's quite interesting is that actually that the pandemic has completely opened up a whole new channel for the fitness industry coach, fitness entrepreneur. So before it was always, you had to be face-to-face, you had to be stuck in a gym. Uh, and I think a lot of it was already shifting online, right? So like I've got lots of friends and clients that have been in the, the online coaching space in particular for the last three, four years. But because of COVID, that accelerated that market very, 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 very quickly. So what you've got is a lot of these guys and girls have started to shift from getting off the gym floor and getting online. So what that means is they've got very, very different roles. So before it was being in the on the gym floor, networking, making friends, having all that energy around you to being just behind the laptop. Mm. So then what starts to happen is they feel very isolated. They feel very alone. And they end up in some masterminds. And these masterminds are incredible. I've personally seen people go from zero in monthly revenue up to one of the biggest guys doing 150K a month uh, in online coaching, which is incredible. But that transition means that once you're in a mastermind and you have all the tools, sometimes and we see this a lot with our high net worth clients as well it's exactly the same they know what they need to do but it's their emotions it's that imposter syndrome comparison syndrome worrying about everyone else Mm. that stops them from actually doing what they need to do so actually i think the pandemic's been one of the best things ever for coaches that are shifting online and you've seen these people's businesses explode almost overnight but it puts a lot of pressure on the entrepreneur they're usually comparing themselves to others, whether it's online, on Instagram, or in uh, in their masterminds. They're usually overwhelmed, they're stressed, they're panicking, they're burning out because they're having to pick up new skills and do different things. Hmm. Is that some of the main kind of objections that you come across then in terms of, a, well, I can't do this, look at that person, they've got you know 50,000 followers on Instagram and I've only got like 300 people that know my name. And do you find a lot of people just are even afraid to take the first step because of what they see out there in the market already? So typically the guys and girls we work with have already got their businesses. So they're, they're kind of started, they've already got the ball rolling, but even so they do get stuck with comparison syndrome. They do get stuck looking around, uh, comparing themselves. And if we're being really dead honest, it usually comes from uh, naturally as humans we compare, but there's usually a deeper insecurity underneath all of that. Um, some people can just bat all of that off and it's not a problem, but others, they get so stuck and they're like, well, yeah, why have they got this? And I haven't got that. Why I can't do this. I can't do that. When actually all they need to focus on is just working on what it is that they need to do each task and each step at a time. So a lot of us, a lot of our work is really getting them to shut down the, the noise externally, shut down the noise internally and just get to work. I might ask a bit of a brutal question here and I've come across this before. So feel free to digitally rack me across the knuckles if I shouldn't be asking this. But you know when you're talking about like comparison syndrome and imposter syndrome, is it actually right that some of these people are feeling imposter syndrome? Like are is there more things that they need to be doing? I mean, is it a case of that they are just stuck in their heads or is this a case of, well, no, you know, you're right. You're not showing up in the same way. You're not putting as much effort in as these people, which actually is why that imposter syndrome is coming out. And actually a way to, to battle through that is to, to take the action to kind of take the steps to become more visible become more known and then the imposter syndrome sort of fades away in the background 
What I see is two camps when it comes to imposter syndrome. Camp one, the chronic overworker. And they work 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 until they burn out. And then they hate their business. And they almost hate their clients. They don't want to do it anymore. That's one camp with imposter syndrome. The second camp is the chronic procrastinators. Mm. I can't do this. I don't think I, I'm, I'm good enough. I'm not as good as the other coaches. The other coaches have been around the game longer. They've got more experience. Their systems are better. So for those guys and girls, they end up just procrastinating because they can't possibly do what it is that they need to do. So they put the task off again and again and again. So I think it goes in, in two ways. It's That's either you burn yourself into the floor or you end up procrastinating and putting everything off and then the business results do suffer and then you start to panic, then you start to make short-term decisions and right. strong emotions make us stupid. It's a, do you know what? I like that, dude. I mean, it's a, it's a good way of answering it, isn't it? That uh, there's not a one-size-fits-all. Because, you know, as I was saying, well, imposter syndrome, maybe it means you need to take more action. Well, for those procrastinators, that's exactly what it means. But for those people who are already running themselves into the ground, that's definitely not what it means. Um, the complete opposite, in fact. So, no, I love that. That makes a whole lot of sense to me. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll dive into this in a lot more detail because I'm, I'm we, I've had conversations with you offline about some of these success stories already, and I'm looking forward to you sharing that with, uh, with some of the audience. Before we do, Mel, I'm... Um, I already have an idea of what some of your objections might be, my friend, in terms of what people say to you. But Mel, automation won't work for my business. It's too personal. You can't do this stuff online. I have to touch everything. Any more that I've missed? <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's funny because actually something that Kieran said pops into my mind. All these brick and, bo- brick and mortar business owners, or even a lot of the dig- digital business owners, do not have any sort of social media presence And that was one of the things that actually gave the fitness gurus a jump during COVID that a lot of normal people, quote unquote, lost. Fitness gurus were already used to being on Facebook, already used to being on Instagram, already used to being out there with the audience. These normal business owners aren't. They have Mm. no idea how to to interact on social. Worse, they usually do it badly because for some reason, people forget that just because you're online doesn't mean you're not still in a conversation. Manners matter. You know, thinking of the other person first matters. Being cool matters. You know, shoving crap down people's throat, that's 15, 20 years ago, internet. That worked back then because nobody knew any better. They thought the internet was a place to just be a rude asshole. Now you need to be personal because everybody spent 18 months on social media socializing. Mm. Everybody is so conditioned to socializing online now that they forget about the fact that they're just having normal conversations where business owners who haven't been doing that are coming in from the complete wrong stance. They're trying to shove stuff down people's throats. You know, they're, they're bashing their list with all sorts of garbage that isn't going to help them out. They're just not being cool. And that's where you can see this jump in automation can help because if you've got even a halfway decent marketing campaign that just is being cool, just trying to help, not trying to sell every email you send out, trying to reinforce getting referrals. I mean, my God, the most important thing you can do is get referrals at a time like this. Mm. Why advertise when you have a raft of happy customers that are willing to send somebody to you because you've taken good care of them and you've been cool with your messaging? You know, mm. that it's, it's just this overriding factor to everything to do because I consider marketing and automation to be one and the same if you're doing them right. Because you, if you're doing marketing and you don't automate the back end, you are throwing away time and money. You are not utilizing it. And Phil, you and I both know guys who have built big lists, who've never sent them an email, 
I mean, yeah. it's just astronomical that you would have this incredible asset and not foster it to get better, but it's all got to be through automation. If you're trying to do this by yourself, if you're sending out an email every day, you know, if you're trying to do all this stuff through outreach, through, uh, you know, texting and whatnot, you're going to go and it's, it's just like Karen said, you're going to be so overworked that you're going to go, man, do I even know what the hell I'm doing? Am I an imposter? No, you've been a friggin' plumber for 20 years. You're the most well-known plumber in town. You just don't know how to communicate with people if they're not standing in front of you. Mm. And that little dig, by the way, was definitely well-deserved and aimed at me because I was that person. Um, so what was, Mel's alluding was. was, was that <laughs> That's a big distinction. So what, what Mel's alluding to there is that, I, as you know, I do a lot of podcast interviews and it, it literally generated thousands of leads of people registering for more information on the website. And we didn't have an automated process in place. So it was always one of those things that I'd get round to at some point. And before you knew it, three to six months down the line, we've got thousands of people on a mailing list that have signed up for more information. And we've never contacted them yeah. once. Meanwhile, I still have a yeah. Who, who now, now forgot? Don't remember asking you for help? Yeah, of they, course they, they don't. don't yeah. Remember the fact they asked. So nope. now you email and they're like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Even if they've been listening to the podcast every week, they're like, "Why the hell is Phil reaching out to me?" Because you asked. Yeah. But they don't remember because oh, I wouldn't remember. From now, I'm not going to remember. No. <laughs> if I, a great a great example of that, and I'll I'll give them a bit of a blast on here. I will give them a, a slap across the knuckles because they've been pretty badly behaved recently. Um, a lot of people like AppSumo, right? The where you can go and buy loads of good deals for products and apps and software. Well, my AppSumo account got hacked a few weeks ago. And somebody had deliberately taken, I don't know how I got back in, to be honest, but somebody had taken my email address off it and had put their email address on it. Yeah, I could only log in with my username and password, not my email. Um, So thankfully, Keychain had saved it. And the only reason I noticed this was because they were trying to debit, I think it was somewhere between like eleven and $15,000 every day for about a week. And thankfully, my bank had spotted this all and were like, this does not look normal. So they stopped it from happening. So I contacted AppSumo. This was literally two or three weeks ago now. I sent them a message. I couldn't get hold of them. So I tweeted them, couldn't get hold of them. Did the live chat, couldn't get hold of them. Like I could not get them to answer my message. So I ended up emailing their help desk and saying, this is urgent. Uh, Someone's hacked my account. I've deleted them from it now, but I need to understand how this has happened. Like, how did you let this happen? Like, thankfully, if it wasn't for my bank, I'd have been about $30,000, $40,000 down right now. So, And you guys aren't even responding. What's going on? They emailed me back yesterday. It took them 21 days to reply. And I saw the email and genuinely, I read it and was like, what's this about? And only then did I remember, oh yeah, I emailed them to ask them for this information. So I was annoyed it took them three weeks. My poor people have waited six months. Um, So yeah, (laughs) I I, I can fully relate to that and why automation plays such an important part of it. I mean, I'm curious, does it does it fall into kind of two camps for you as well then, Mel, in terms of the the objections do you get? Is it the people who are kind of saying, Mel, I want to go online and sell, 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 and the other people who just come to you and go, I don't know how to do this. Will it even work for my business? Should I be doing it? I mean, what are, what are the kind of the main objections that you tend to see about automation? And the funny thing is both camps are doing the same thing. You know, they want to sell, but they have no idea how to, yeah. or they don't have any idea to, so they don't want to try and sell. But it's the same end result. It still comes down to the same thing. So now, you know, it's, it is confusing. I mean, I will admit that, you know, to have the ability to do a bunch of different things in your, in your business is a great way to start. 
you know, that, that is how you launch a new business. You are going to undertake, you're going to wear as many hats as humanly possible. But the minute you start feeling success, you need to understand that the only way to scale that success is by bringing in new customers. I mean, cash flow is the only thing that makes businesses run. If yeah. you don't have cash flow, it's just a hobby that's taking up all your time. So if you've got cash flow coming even just a little bit, figure out a way to add exponential increases in cash flow by automating because every time you increase, if you're doubling your time, all of a sudden you're going to have an 80 hour week, 120 hour week. Nobody mm. can survive that. You know, when you're a 25 year old kid, sure, you can work a million hours a week. When you're 50, you hit 40 hours and you're ready for a nap. So I need to automate my five businesses to the point where they don't take all my time. If I put all my time into my five businesses, I would not be talking to you right now because I wouldn't have time to be here if I didn't have those little robots doing their job for me right now. Mm, absolutely. And Kieran, you know, I guess the same can be said for fitness entrepreneurs because they're they're trying to um, they're trying to do the same amount of work that they always did before, but now squeeze in this marketing outreach online presence aspect, which I guess is why is another reason why it's easy to fall into that imposter syndrome and competitive syndrome. You know, I can see even from a comparison standpoint, you know, you can almost see why someone's like, look, I'm already working 40 hour weeks. When am I going to find time to go online and advertise and push myself? And even if I did look at the people who are doing it really well, I'm never going to be at their level. It's best that I just don't bother. Yeah, you see it all the time. And the systems part is where they don't have automated systems in place. So they're kind of just winging it and they're like, Oh, I need to put a post out. Oh, I need to actually do check-ins. I need to do this. I need to do that. And they go round and round and round and round in, in circles. But mm. for the, I'd say for the marketing side of things and where, yeah, where they really get stuck is that everybody on Instagram, because that's where they acquire a lot of their clients. Because if you think about it, most people that uh, are in the fitness industry are very visual thinkers. They mm. want to look, the best and they're very kinesthetic so they want to feel the best so what happens is you get all of these people that look like they're doing amazing and it's all going out there and they're like oh my god everybody's smashing it but me and then guess what even the people that are smashing it even they're feeling like shit <laughs> because yeah. they're still struggling with well there's people doing better than me or well, i just don't deserve to be here and, and a lot of them get stuck in in that place and it kind of just goes round and round and round and round in circles mm. which is fascinating to see but also sad to see because at the end of the day these people want to help people they want mm. to have people have more energy they want to be in the best shape that they can be they want to really help but they get so caught up in the in the business and the comparison side they actually paralyze themselves uh, from getting mm. done what they need to I don't want to say who because it would embarrass him and and uh, and I don't want to do that because he's a dear friend of mine. But there's somebody that I know who's very big on Instagram. Um, uh, he must be pushing, if not a million, he's close to a million followers by now. And we were having a conversation about four or five months ago and he was saying, I need more customers. Like my cash flow really stinks. And I've got all these like adverts ready to push out and say to people, hey, look, who wants to work with me? He's like, but I haven't done it. And I was like, why haven't you done it? And he said, because of perception, everybody sees me as one of the biggest and best in the industry because of how many followers I've gotten, how much interaction I get on, on, on Instagram. He said, but what happens now if I push out and everyone's like, Oh, maybe he's not as big as we thought he was. He doesn't even have any clients. And so it's interesting because I've literally seen this right from the other end. You've got the people who are looking at that guy, for example, being like, well, what's the point? Cause he's got all the followers and he sat there with no cash in the bank going, well, I can't post because then everyone will think I'm less than I, you know, that they, they, think i am right now and it, it's fascinating but you know i want to share this because I, I when i found this out um 
I was blown away, mega surprised. And for some of you listening, you will already know this, right? For for some of you, this will be brand new information and will surprise the life out of you like it did me. There are companies all over the world. In fact, in all of our countries, actually, looking at this, they're definitely in Dubai. I know where they are. There's a handful in London. There's tons in the States. There are agencies that basically work with uh, the Instagram influencers. And you can go and do a photo shoot with them and get a photo taken in a like almost like a movie style studio of the Bentley or the Lamborghini or the half a private jet with a green screen in the background. Like, I kid you not, this stuff exists. Like people go and get these photos taken so that they can put it on their social media with these like slow motion videos of them walking up to the private jet. It's in a it's in a hangar. It's in a warehouse in London and next to a green screen and someone's just shooting this footage. And when I heard that, I did two things. I laughed was the first thing that I did because I thought that's ridiculous. The second thing I did was actually kind of pity those people a little bit and think, Mm -hmm. how sad is that that you aren't comfortable enough in your own skin that you need to try and hoodwink people into thinking that you're flying around on a private jet for you to feel valuable at what you do. Um, But taking those two things in mind, Kieran, it's no wonder that people looking at that are feeling imposter syndrome or, or, or are kind of looking at those as competitors and going, I mean, listen, I've got to get this. I've got to get the tube to work. This person seems to be flying in a private jet. Yeah. And they get stuck in their own heads and they think everybody else is perfect. You see this with everyone. You see this with entrepreneurs, business owners, like forget the fitness industry for a minute. You see it all over. We often think everybody else has got their shit together and everything's fine and dandy. So an exercise that I do, I do a lot of workshops, a lot of, a lot of online webinars uh, mm-hmm. and face-to-face when public speaking. I ask this question, which is when you're going for a low point, what is it that you believe about yourself to be true? And begin the question with I. And I get everybody to write that down on a little piece of paper and I walk around the room or I get them to post it into an anonymous chat box and I get all the answers back. And all of the answers are always like 90% of them are, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I can't do this. I don't know what this is. How the fuck am I going to pull this off? Uh, I'm not a good business person, I'm not a good sales person, whatever. Like we get all of this back. And what I do is I just stand there and I just read one by one quite slowly. And it just starts to, you just see the knowledge starts to sink in and everybody goes, holy shit. We, we all, all think the same thing. We all feel the same, yeah. And then that just takes all of this pressure off. And they're like, oh, it's not just me. We're doing some group work here at DMP. We just launched the world's first mindset group for online fitness entrepreneurs. And it's amazing getting everybody in there, recognizing that they all feel overwhelmed. They all feel stressed. They feel like they haven't got enough. They're not, they're, like, they're not enough. Mm. And they're all supporting each other and helping each other. And all of a sudden, that pressure comes down. But when you're on your own, you don't have a community or you don't have a mindset coach. You're just shitting your pants because all you're seeing is everybody else is smashing it and you think they must be doing amazing whether that's uh, revenue by seeing that in one of the, your masterminds whether that's followers whether that's new clients intakes or whatever if you're on your own that's really isolating and scary so that's where um that's where having a coach or being a part of a mindset group with like-minded individuals can really just park all of those stresses what I love about what you've just said there is that the byproduct of people realizing that they're not alone in this is that they create a community. Because Mel, I, I know you feel the same about this. For me, strategic alliances are the back 
backbone of my business. Um, I couldn't do this alone, quite frankly. Um, you know, you you need good people around you. I use the sports analogy all the time, and obviously there's three professional athletes, ex-professional athletes on this call. So my attitude is business is a team sport, and, and it doesn't matter how good you are at what you're doing. If you're not surrounded by people who are equally as good at their part, both as fellow players, coaches, fitness and conditioning, medical, everything else, you're not going to win anything. You can just be the you can be the most talented player, the MVP, the man of the match of the side that lost, right? And nobody wants to do that. Whereas if you get together and work as a collective, that's great. So what's fascinating is that that's, that appears to be, from what you've said, if I've understood that right, that appears to be like one of the main byproducts of that exercise you said where you read out everybody's things and they all go, wow, we're all in the same boat. And then the very next step is, what can we do to support each other through this now that I've recognized that we're all pretty much equal on this footing? Mate, it's actually beautiful. I'm going to give yeah, a case. So the other Please. day, I uh, was fully booked with one-to-one coaching and somebody posted in the group in the morning that they were having a bit of a meltdown. They were feeling very isolated, very overwhelmed, and they wanted to know if it was just them that felt like that. So I'm in back-to-back calls. I haven't logged into the Facebook to check into the group and do the answers. So seven hours have passed. I log into Facebook after my calls. I go in there and I see this message of, I feel so isolated. I feel overwhelmed. I feel alone. I don't know what this is. Long paragraph. She's like, is it just me? And I was thinking, oh my God, no, no, no. I haven't been there to answer it right away. But it didn't matter because five people in the community had already stepped up with these long paragraphs back saying, no, you are not alone. This is part of the, this is part of the, part of being a fitness entrepreneur and an online coach. And here are some things that I do to overdo this. And then my other coach, Kate, um, she jumped in and gave an answer. And by the time I got in there, she's like, everybody that I feel amazing. Thank you so much. And the whole community had rallied around her. And it was just incredible. Obviously, I had my input, but it was just so, so lovely to see because you realize that you're not alone. You don't have to tackle this by yourself. Like you can have good people around you. you know? So it's, it's pretty cool. That must feel amazing for you as well to know that, uh, that, I mean, you didn't even feel it get involved in that particular incident. I mean, obviously you did by way of creating the group in the first place, but, you know, to be able to look at that and go, that person is now feeling so much better and has this advice because of something in a situation that I'd be able to create. That must be a real sense of pride that comes from that. Oh, mate, I was punching me air. I was like, oh, my Jesus Christ, here are TMPers going away and getting this stuff done. And that is a sign of interdependence. We think about psychological maturity. We have dependence, which most of us are as kids, and we depend on everyone around us. And we have independence, which is, I don't need anyone else. I can do this by myself. And then you've got interdependence where one plus one equals three. And what I'm seeing in that group already, only a few weeks in, they have that interdependence where they can rely on each other. They don't have to be dependent on me. They don't have to fight this in their own. So it's a really good mm. I get really emotional with stuff like that. So, I mean, you, you guys have obviously been through uh, or are going through my starter back and have been through that kind of initial training session. One of the things I often see a lot from those group training sessions is people doing work together in the background. Like, you know, I, I've got my pitch slapped down, but it's this bit that I'm still a bit confused about. And they brainstorm ideas. And then by the time they come back to me, it's all polished. They're like, oh. I spoke to this person. They had that bit nailed. I knew this bit better than they did. Oh, and actually, we're doing this podcast together, and I went on this interview, so I've invited them. And you're like, guys, you're just steamrolling ahead. I love it. Like for for me, like I almost feel like doing one of those cheesy Oscar style speeches every time it happens. Like leaving a message. Going, I just want to thank my mom. I want to thank God. <laughs> uh, you know, but it, honestly, it, it, it's it's an amazing feeling. So I can only imagine, especially with it being a relatively new community. Um, 
how great that feels. And Mel, that leads very nicely onto uh, obviously some of the work that you and I t- are doing together. We, we've we we come across people who. <laughs> You know, we come across people who have a lot of the same pain points and a lot of the same problems, and they don't really know how to overcome this. And one of the things that that you and I have both done for many years, both together and separately with our own individual networks, is when something happens, you don't just sit with a pad and paper and try and figure this stuff out yourself. You pick up the phone, you jump on a Zoom chat. I mean, I call this the beer and pizza stage, right? You get beer and pizza, and everyone sits down and goes, what are we going to do? Who could do what? What's the idea here? And what I love about that is that you come across people who are like, oh, you're struggling with that bit? Oh, yeah, I did that a few years ago. It's really easy, actually. You just do this, this, and this, and then and then it's done. And you're like, dude, you just saved me like 12 months of heartache and tens of thousands of dollars. So that's why we've started our our group training program, which is yeah. it for that exact reason, for people to drop in and come and speak to me and you and say, oh, what does that look like? What's the problem? Let's work it out together. Exactly. I tell you, man, the, the reason I love doing interviews like this is because it allows me to give people action steps live. Mm. So let's help out your Instagram buddy right now. Let's okay. do it. Instead of going and hiring the Lamborghinis, hiring the Jets, I'm going to save you all that money and not have you hire me. You don't need to hire me as a consultant right now because I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. If you are famous, if you have millions of followers, they are following you for a reason. That reason is something that you can monetize. There is a secret you have there is a system you have, there's a process you have that they want to learn. So if you are famous yet cash strapped and you're worried about letting that be known, start selling different packages at different levels <clears throat> that allow people to undertake your elite training, but it doesn't desensitize them to your uh, elite status. So, mm. you know, something, you know, you can sell them a, a done for a do it yourself program. He could go out immediately and sell something for $97 a month that I guarantee tons of those people are going to jump on and it's not going to devalue him because he's being a hero and helping people at a lower price point. Smart. Now we jump up to the next price point, you know, the, the four to $5,000 people. Again, he has millions of people following him. I bet at least 10% of those people are right within that price point and have one pain point that be, can be confronted by him specifically. So now we can say, okay, this is our new elite program that I want to help you with. Now you do a done for you program for 20, 50, hundred grand that's him doing everything for these people to solve their problems. So there you go. He didn't have to hire me for a consultant. And now Instagram guy knows exactly how to make all the money he needs without compromising his fame. Beautiful, man. I absolutely love it. Listen, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry if I didn't answer your question, but I, I had to help that guy. Like, oh, no. I, I cannot do an interview. I'm not going to knock you for giving advice. That's exactly what I want you to do. So, no, I absolutely love that. Well, look, I'm curious because you've, you've helped a lot of people with this and you must have stories coming out the wazoo. But, um, I mean, what are the kind of some of the, the stories for you, the success stories that when you think back on, you just think, you know, that really sums up what it is that we do. We took someone who's good at what they do, but they were struggling with this and this. We did this and this is what they got. What, what does that look like for you? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, we have been, we, we do marketing for um, medical device companies and whatnot. And we ended up, uh, ironically enough, hooking up with a network marketing company that was uh, selling medical uh, supplies. And we figured out a way to automate a system that would allow us to make these people who are in again, I mean, we all know network marketing is kind of like the friends and family thing, you know, ask Aunt Matilda to buy your pills, yada, yada, blah, blah. We were, we were able to build out a system that taught them how to go from the, I know nothing to be able to present to doctors and be fooled as if there were neut- uh, pharmaceutical reps. Wow. And it was all just a systemization of training, supplying the doctor with the drip feed emails they need for their patients 
supplying the doctor with a pre, uh, pre-made um, eight-hour video loop to run in their, uh, their office. So we gave these people everything they needed to give the doctor the automations to allow them to present to their patients without any roadblocks. So mm. that was the key. It wasn't, you know, we had to train them to get in the front door and get the sale done. But most importantly was the automation of the doctor system to allow them to not have to learn a million things or feel like they're slowing down their practice. We taught the doctors how to use automation to serve even more patients because they weren't being slowed down by presenting products. That's fascinating. That so is just, nothing. I mean, it's so funny, smart. man. It's like automation can add so much to so many. It can be an instructional thing. It can be a referral thing. It can be a follow-up thing or a pre-indoctrination thing. So, you know, again, going back to that doctor's office, if there's an eight-hour video loop running all day long for a product they're going to present, that's automation. You are pre-indoctrinating the patient of that because you know you might sit in a doctor's office for five minutes or 50 waiting to get in there. If you're sitting for an hour watching a video about a product, probably going to ask about it or not be offended when the doctor offers it. So yeah. that's just a tiny little bit of automation that I mean, an eight hour video loop, it seems like nothing. That automation will add 25% to your product sales just by pre-indoctrinating all your patients or customers. If you're getting your tires changed, have a TV talking about it. You know, we do this special thing. By the end of that uh, time of installing the tires, they're going to ask. That's the easiest upsell in the world, pre-indoctrination. Mm, I love that. So they weren't working with those doctors before then? No, never, nothing. They, dude, they barely wanted to go to a doctor, let alone knock on a doctor and sell them something. <laughs> I like that. Okay, so what was the end result there then? I mean, I appreciate it's still probably ongoing, but uh, by introducing these doctors, I mean, how, how many doctors have we got signed up? What does that look like revenue-wise? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm curious. I want to say through that system, we've signed up 1,200 doctors. And, wow. Well, I mean, you know, not exactly 1,200, but, but all through people who know nothing, like people who had no intention of ever signing up doctors, no intention of having the guts to pitch a doctor. Because, you know, I mean, doctors are put on a pedestal. Yeah. You know, we, we think that they're these gods. We taught them to take the God complex out of it, talk to them on a level playing field. And then again, as always, marketing, present the benefits to their patients. Once you present a benefit package to the, about their patients, the doctors are naturally going to listen. Then once you realize that all your automations are going to take all their work out of it, what answer do they have? But yes. Mm. That's clever. I like that, dude. That's very smart. It how, works did you get, how did you get into this? I mean, nobody's uh, bought, nobody nobody leaves school going, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and automate <laughs> people's marketing systems. Like, how, how, how did you? How did this find you or you find it? Yeah, f- funny enough, when I got out of college, I went directly into sales and uh, was a sales manager in the car industry, learned a lot about, uh, you know, customer service, learned a lot about referral. That's where I learned about all this stuff from the kernel was, mm. you know, how to customer service is the most important thing in the world. You know, making sure that you get all your referrals, making sure you're doing your follow-up, you know, keeping your sales staff moving in the right direction. When I got sick of that industry, I ended up opening a gym and a spa. So my oh, wife, really? and me opened up a big gym and spa in New York. And that was where we went for the twist of, okay, I'm a total sales guy and I'm a total fitness guy. I, the, the reason I, um, 23 years ago, I lost 150 pounds. So it, it like that sort of flipped the switch in my head to be able to teach other people to do it. Conchetta is, was always in perfect shape. We always wanted to open up a gym together. So it was kind of like a no brainer to, you know, big fat guy becomes good shape guy, perfect gym owner, gorgeous chick, perfect gym owner. So we ended up doing that together. And um, the, <laughs> the thing that got us into the doctors was we had doctors in town writing prescriptions to come to our gym. So they knew we were going to take such good care of their patients that they would write prescriptions to come and get body wraps in the spa to lose fat. They'd come in to do all their post, uh, post rehab and pre rehab. So we were doing all that stuff with doctors. It just sort of seemed like a perfect match. 
And then we um, started a supplement company that went nuts. We were selling thousands of bottles of supplements on Amazon a day. So we, we kind of just fell into this groove of health and fitness, but always with an angle of marketing to make sure that we presented it properly to that exact person. You know, it's, I, I, I swear to God, man, our success has always come from trying to serve one perfect person and then finding another million just like them. That, that is, I mean, if there is a secret to our success, we drill our avatar down so tight that we know everything about the person we're trying to help everything about every pain point they have. And then we bring them all their pain solutions plus another one, because if they get another one, then they're going to want to refer you to somebody else. Hang on. I'm going back. You, you can't just brush over 150 Sorry. pounds. <laughs> you, lost a, you lost 150 pounds. Yeah. When I was 26 years old, I weighed 350. When I was 27, I weighed 200. Just to put that into, into uh, as my family would say, real money, for those of you that don't think in, in, in pounds, that's 68 kgs. That's, that's more than I weigh. That's phenomenal. <laughs> well, the good thing is I'm still 250, so. <laughs> that is absolutely sublime. Well, I, do you know what? It's no wonder there was such a, a success story there because it's like a, you know, I, that would have been my, my entire advertising campaign for my gym and fitness center would just be a picture of me before and a picture of me after. And like, do you want to come work out with me? It's like, oh yeah, I want to come work out with you. <laughs> Oh, my days. So, Kieran, I'm curious because obviously you came from, well, you've done a lot, but you came from boxing as well, didn't you? Yeah, my story is a little bit different. So, uh, I left school when I was 16. Yeah. Uh, started boxing when I was 14. Went straight into sales when I was 17. Um, spent eight months selling nothing, then sold half a million pounds uh, off the bat. Um, so opened and closed that, which was insane. I, I shouldn't have been given that much responsibility. I was, and it paid off. Um, but around, <laughs> that time i was breaking onto the england boxing team and i was like you know what i'm only gonna get one shot to box um so i'm gonna i'm gonna park this because i can always come back to sales if Correct. it doesn't work out so i got i started training full-time and this is where my own battle with imposter syndrome mindset anxiety fear doubt all of that mm. stuff had come up in that in that journey because that's ultimate comparison syndrome you know you're like, yeah. you're looking at all your competitors and these guys are going to punch you in the face. You've got to be the best or otherwise you're out. <laughs> so, uh, so I got onto the England team. I wasn't good enough to make Team GB. Um, the question I'll always have for the rest of my life is how much of that was mindset? How much of that was physical ability? And that's the thing of athletes. You never really know. Um, so I kind of got to my level. I found my level. Profession going to the Olympics was always the dream. I was never interested in, you know, becoming a professional and selling tickets or fighting for money that wasn't why i did it so uh after that period things got even really really bad because once you come off the england team i had an eating disorder i was burnt out i was yeah. living i love my eyes to pieces but i was living on a on a sofa in a one-bedroom council flat in in south london uh, i went for a period of uh suicidal thoughts tried to take my own life was fifteen thousand pounds in debt a business had failed it was all really really bad didn't leave my there was one point where i didn't leave my parents house for like three weeks it was mm. pretty low um so after enough moping around and i'm working with my own men's performance coach and, and working with them i actually started to realize actually i don't have to have these thoughts don't have to have these feelings so i went to a very extreme place uh, and i think as men we do that we like to kind of do the bunker mentality and say we're fine we don't need any help until it gets too late Mm. Um, luckily I managed to turn that round and uh, I got a mentor and so I had a mental performance coach Hazel Gale former kickboxing world champion and uh, a mentor called Ron Goddard really really top guy and he basically 
I called him up one day and I said, look, Ron, I'm fed up of being skinned. I'm scared of being debt. I'm fed up of being a loser. Can you help me? He went, yeah, of course I can. So then I went back into sales and I spent six years selling software in um, central London, managed to clear off that debt, a £15,000 debt in seven months. And the way that I did it was I was selling into Europe during the day and then I'd sell it into the US, which was four hours behind in, into, into the night, doing like crazy hours to get that all done. Mm-hmm. Burnt out again. Uh, and it was the fear of not feeling good enough. It was that insecurity that was driving all of that overachievement. And I thought, fucking hell. But once you're no longer skint and you're no longer insecure, for me, I didn't want to sell software anymore. But along that journey, I'd always been coaching, whether it was junior salespeople or whether when I was boxing, I was coaching some of the younger uh, fighters on their mindset and psychology. Sure. I retrained as a, as a therapist, cognitive hypnotherapist, NLP practitioner, peak performance coach. Um, and I just started coaching and I started coaching for free, helping out lots of people. And then, uh, next thing you know, everybody started paying me and then I started getting loads of referrals Then I was fully booked and I got another coach and it just started to explode. And next thing you know, like, you know, we're the fastest growing mindset service for the fitness industry. Um, and then outside of that, you know, I've been introduced to quite a few higher net worth individuals. Um, some of these are chief revenue officers scaling companies from 180 people to 1800 people in the space of 18 months or beautiful um you know another guy he he owns i think his portfolio is worth like 10 billion dollars and, and whatever so that's like completely it's a little bit of money it's a little bit it's like really different <laughs> but at the same time we're all human the common human neurosis is we're not lovable we're not good enough uh, we're never going to be accepted so the, the playbook very 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 similar it's shifting yeah. those sort of limiting beliefs and the challenging emotions so you actually can live life in a happy and calm and fulfilling way dude i want to unpack that because you just talked about a lot of stuff there so firstly thank you for being so open and honest and sharing that and i can i can so see why you're this passionate about what it is that you do because having been uh, uh not in exactly the same place but i've been in some dark places too and i recognize that if it wasn't for certain people around me that kind of helped me get out of that position um who knows if i'd even still be here today probably not is the honest answer so i I massively respect you for sharing that um and for the work that you're doing i mean it just it makes it makes total sense to me but i want to i want to touch on a couple of things that you've just said there so three let's reverse engineer it so one of the things that i think people see when they see really successful people and and having grown up in in a in an impoverished family, my, my mum was one of these people and she always used to see rich people as evil. And she'd be like, why don't rich people just give all their money and then help people? And why doesn't this happen? And why doesn't this happen? And one of the things that I've realized as you become more and more successful, uh, both personally and, and it, hanging around other very successful people is that they've worked very hard to be in that position. And that actually there's usually more stress that comes with being at the top of the business, not less. Um, because now you're not just worried about providing for your family. I mean, I can personally speak from experience. I'm worried about providing for 16 people's families. I know the names of their kids. I know the fact that their dog's sick and they've got to take it to the, I know all of this stuff because I am aware that it's, it's the, the business that I am leading, that I am driving us forward. That is keeping a roof over all of those people's houses, food in their belly and keeping them happy and sustained. Believe you me, that provides more stress, not less. I don't kind of get to that point and go, this is great. Everyone's underneath me because now you're just, you know, as I said, you're not just thinking about your family. You're thinking about other people's families. So you're right. I mean, th- those those skill sets and that toolkit, for want of a better expression, to help people applies just as much, if not more, to people at the top of their game than it does at the other end when you're just getting started. Um, I actually really think you should use that 
uh, that phrase that you use more often when you're talking because I really like it, um, which is, you know, you think you've got it bad, at least your competitor's not going to punch you in the face. Um, <laughs> I, I really like that because that, that is exactly how it was. Uh, so, you know, you're talking with fitness entrepreneurs. It's like, listen, you're comparing yourself. At least I'm not going to punch you in the face. My competitors <laughs> were punching me. <laughs> I actually really like that. I think that's a, it's like, yeah, yeah, what's true. They, they're getting more likes than me on Instagram, but they're not going to smack me in the face. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a bright side to this. Um, and then the other thing I want to share, because I think you, you you touched on such a valid point there. And again, you and I both know, and Mel actually for that matter, we all know that this is such an important part of life and business and, and getting out of that. Even not just getting out of a dark place, but getting to that next level. And that's asking for help. Um, and... I think so many people are afraid to ask for help because what if somebody says no? And I, I don't want to just, for a second, I want to just touch on that with you both because my opinion, and I'm, I'm keen to hear both of yours, is that if somebody was to say no, they were the wrong person to be helping you anyway. But actually, I think most people would be hugely surprised at just how often, you know, just like they did with you, Kieran, I've certainly had it. Mel, I imagine you've had it on a number of occasions as well. When you go to somebody and say, listen, I don't want to be broke anymore. I don't want to be fat. I don't want to be unhappy. I don't want to be miserable. I don't want to have this revenue up and down. I don't want to have this stress. Can you help me? How many people will hear the human in you resonate with that and go, yeah, of course I will. Absolutely. They're not going to volunteer it because nobody wants to drag you. But if you're prepared to ask for that help, I think you'd be blown away by how many people are prepared to give it. And Kieran, that was clearly your experience. Look, I... The amount of people that have helped me at lots of different stages is just insane. The only reason I got the job was because uh, when I was 17 to sell, you know, 100, 100K deals was I asked the CEO of the company at the time, hey, um, I tried to set up a business and it failed. I didn't know how to sell B2B. Can you help me? I'd love to come and work for free over the summer. And he said, yeah, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, please come in and come and shadow the team. And then he was so impressed, he gave me a job and paid me for it, which, which was nice. Or, yeah, working with a men's performance coach and being like, hey, I, I'm, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. Can you help me? Um, mentors, like the amount of doors. I think that's, if I was going to put one of the secret sources to where I've been able to scale businesses or be successful is I just ask for help more than other people. And yeah. people say, yeah, sure. Like, like it, yeah, no problem. How can I, how can I help? And I think also it's um, that, being able to turn off rejection in your head, like it just doesn't exist, you know, because people take stuff personally. Like I understand people are busy. I have no expectation for people to help me. I don't expect people to respond. When they do, it's just, it's a bonus. It's great. Whereas if people take take no responses as an issue, or they take it personally, oh, that person doesn't like me or they don't respect me or maybe mm-hmm. I'm not good enough or whatever, that's where it gets hard. And that's where the cycle, I think you see that again in, in sales, in business, in entrepreneurship. People get scared of a, of a, of a no or they take a no response personally. It's like, yeah, people, people are busy. I'm like, just, just ask. What's the worst they can say? The worst they can say is when I was training junior salespeople, they'd be scared to ask for a meeting or scared to, to ask for the, for the deal. I'd say, listen, the worst they can say is, fuck you. I'm going to follow you home. I'm going to find out where your family lives. <laughs> that's the worst they can say. Fuck yes. off and never speak to me again. <laughs> and that's not going to happen. You know, yeah. that's really not going to happen. They're going to say, fuck you. Get off the line. That's the worst that they can say. Yeah, but in our heads we make it such a big deal when actually the reality is the worst you're going to get is a fuck you. And, I and in fact, that. That, how often does that happen too? 
Like, exactly. Mo- like, most people. Not one I mean, percent. Yeah, I can probably think of a handful of occasions in my life when I've been on the phone with somebody and they've done that to me. Uh, even the people that were saying no, most people will do. Listen, mate, this really isn't for me. Thanks, though. Bang, hang up. Well, you were polite. You did absolutely nothing wrong with that. And in fact. You know, you can look at that as a positive too, which is they've just saved you time being on the phone. There's nothing worse than being on the phone trying to sell to somebody for 15, 20, 30 minutes for them to get to the end and go, yeah, it's really not for me. It's like, could you not have told me that 20 minutes ago and I could have moved on to the next sales call? <laughs> um, so that there's there's positives in everything, right? And and I, I, I love you for saying that because I, I also would echo that. I think a large part of my success is that I've been prepared to ask for help more than other people too. Um, and I would... I would suggest, and it sounds like you've done the same even naturally and inherently, whether you knew you were doing it or not, it's giving it too. Like it's uh, whether you believe in law of attraction, the universe, God, whatever, karma, you know, it all comes down to if you can help other people, other people are more willing to help you, even if it's not the same people. It's just, you know, if you take, 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 you burn out pretty quick. But if you're prepared to give to other people and then ask other people, I think you'd be amazed at how often people will open their hearts to you and say, yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a number of people like that that I've actually gone back to financially and tried to give money to years later who said, no, no, I want you to pay it forward. I don't, I don't need your money. Like I, your success for me is, is payment enough for the fact that I put the time and effort into you. Just make sure you do it for somebody else. And I think that's a, it's an incredible way of doing business. And Mel, I imagine you've had that on more than a few occasions. But man, uh, first and foremost, I want to say that you are absolutely right. If you ask for a favor and they say no, your intuition was wrong to ask that person. That yeah. that was not the right person. To ask. I mean, nine times. I mean, yes, everybody gets busy. Everybody says, but again, they're going to be incredibly polite. They're going to apologize for mm. not helping. If if you ask the right person for help and they can't do it, they will apologize for not being able to do it. Mm-hmm. What I'd like to do is I'd like to sort of flip this on its head and let's talk about awesome. guys like us. So Karen was talking about, you know, folks who are kind of at bottom trying to work their way back up. Let's talk about guys like us, you know, guys who have a lot going on. We are parts, you know, exactly how we met, you know, part of a yeah. mastermind, part of a Scrooge Alliance. A lot of times you're not even going to have to ask. You're just going to be part of this group and talking yeah. about your business. You're going to say something that's broken. and You're not even going to realize because it's just part of your parlance. Because mm. you talk about the fact that you do these things, but somebody else in that group is going to go, oh, I can help with that. Like that to me is so powerful that when you surround yourself with smart people, a lot of times you might not even have to ask. You might just say you have a problem and they can instantly go, oh, I got somebody for that. I can do this for you. And dude, that's why we're forming the syndicate. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. why you and I are partnering together to bring, you know, the most cutting edge masterminds and and biz op and digital and brick and mortar and exposure because we want to be able to provide these services for people so they can learn this stuff. Like you shouldn't have to kill yourself asking. You should be able to just learn this stuff from a bunch of smart people who are good enough to give it away because it's the cool thing to do. Yeah. That's being polite. You know I mean? That's being, that's having manners is helping people out without being asked. Yeah. And you know what? Often it's the giving part that comes first. You give before you get, right? Give before you get. It's like a mantra that I have. And I was on a a phone call yesterday, just yesterday, actually, with, uh, in fact, Karen, I don't know if you know who this is. If not, I'll introduce you. Mel, you definitely do. I was on the phone with Jane Powers. And Jane, for those of you that don't know, Jane is an incredible speaking coach. She's she's brilliant. But we're in a mastermind together and she's she's my accountability partner. So we meet once a week to kind of discuss things. And part of that exercise is what can I do for you that's going to take me half an hour or less over the next week that's going to get you to where you need to be? And um, and what can you do for me? And we're basically just going to do half an hour on each other's tasks to help each other move forward. 
and um jane said to me what uh, what you know you you go first what is it you what, what do you need me to do so i i said oh well i'm looking for these directories because i'm trying to get more of this stuff sorted and she was like great no problem absolutely no brainer in fact i've just started a business doing this this and this getting people booked on these major speaking gigs on the biggest stages and anything that you sell from it will take a percentage of it uh we haven't even launched it yet i'm currently the only client because we're beta testing it with me do you want to beta test it with me I was like, yeah, of course I do. That's a no-brainer, absolutely. She's like, great. I was like, great, okay, what can I do for you? And she went, I have no idea. I don't even know what I want. I'm the worst person in the world asking for help. So I said, well, tell me what you're working on. So she starts telling me what she's working on and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, how about this then? And I made a suggestion of a couple of things that I knew I could do in a heartbeat for her that I thought would be helpful. And she was like, oh, my days, like, that's a. I didn't. I didn't. Wouldn't even have known to ask for that. That's perfect because I can do this with it and this with it. That's really helpful. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that we're partners together, and we both left that call with something there. Now, what I love about that is if you go into that call, you know, when you're asking for help, you know, it, it's rarely money. In fact, it's hardly ever money. If it's ever money, there's usually an exchange that's not monetary. It's like what you know. Can you help me with this? And what can I do for you to repay that? And, you know, often people will say, well, you could do this, this or this, or I don't know, what are you thinking? And you can make some suggestions. But what I think a lot of people will find, uh, and this works at every level, Kieran, I mean, you mentioned when people are rock bottom on the on the balls of their feet trying to get up. And Mel, you've obviously mentioned when there's a, a certain level of success. But I think it applies to both is that you'll find a lot of people that say, yeah, no problem. I'm prepared to help you. Just, you know, we'll sort it out later down the line. I'm sure there's something that you can do for me in the future. Right now, I don't know what that is, but I could do this for you. So sure. And it's kind of like they're banking credit. They're banking a favor. And that right there for me is exactly how businesses get scaled seven, eight figures beyond. It's being able to go back to these people who you've banked a bit of a favor with and say, dude, I'm really trying to do this. And they go, oh, good. I'm really glad I get to do this for you. I have two people, true story. I have two people right now that probably call me every four weeks to ask me, is there something that they can do for me? Because I still haven't banked that favor yet. And they're desperate to almost do it. They're just like, dude, you've done so much for me what can I do for you? And it's like, nothing right now. It's fine. When when the time is right, I will ask you and we'll do this. That is such a phenomenal way of doing business. And I think by the sounds of it, you've both experienced that in spades. You guys read the You know, that's, that's one of the reasons why reciprocity is one of the biggest things listed in Robert Cialdini's book. You know, one of the most influential things you could possibly do is give. Yeah. Just give without the expectation of getting. Yeah everything else is going to come to it's just amazing i mean again just to echo what you said it's like that is an actual rule reciprocity i mean look it up it is yeah. exactly what we're talking about giving first and it can always be positive it never has to be negative ever. no 100 percent. karen what did you say about what What did you say have we read which book you read the luck factor by richard wiseman i haven't so he studied the science of luck right and lucky people behave in ways that are very different to the ways that unlucky people behave and they have a different sure. mind and the reason I'm, that popped to mind is you talked about that network essentially talks about how lucky people support networks of luck and the way that they do that is they connect with more people they put themselves out there they meet more people they help more people they make more deposits in those emotional bank accounts mm. and they stay they maintain that so then what tends to happen later on is 
next thing you know, like you said, oh, if I need to put in a favor over here, I, I can, or, you know, and we've seen it with our clients, like the amount of time, I mean, 80% of our business is just built on referrals. We've barely had to do any marketing to get to this point because we've been able to help. So client, we, I, I kind of get told off by my accountant because I send out so many fucking books to people that don't sign up with us because I don't, I don't it's not, not just about the money. One book can change someone's life. The right Correct. book at the right time is so amazing. And as a result, I get messages like, you know, six months after initial sales, work, I can barely remember what we spoke about. I'll get a, like a voice note uh, or, and I'll be like, dude, that book completely changed the game. I just want to say a huge, huge, huge thank you. I've actually already sent you three customers. I don't know if they've mentioned it or not. Um, I'm still not in a position to work with you yet, but uh, yeah, game changing. And that network of luck that you just mentioned there is just putting stuff out there. Um, I love sending books, man. It's one of the best things. Well, I'll say. put a link to both of those books in the show notes because I think, you know, I agree. I'm a big, big fan of books. And this one for me is uh, one that I've, it's, you can say it's very dogged. Obviously, the listeners can't, uh, can't hear what I'm showing. I'm showing Richard Branson's autobiography, Losing My Virginity. And there's a particular part of that book that I read at a time when financially I was, I was in a really difficult place um, in business. I'd had a, I think we've all had these lessons, but I, and my listeners will have heard me talk about this before, so I won't go into it in too much detail, but I essentially had a client that I'd worked with for um, a number of months and I was, it was a success based retainer and he ended up draining all the money out of the company and doing a runner the week before Christmas. Um, so the week before Christmas, there was like 20 people out of a job that didn't get paid their salary. It was a real mess. And I was shafted on between a sort of 60 to 80,000 pound invoice, which is what like 80 to a hundred thousand us dollar invoice. Um, and I hadn't been paid for five months cause I was waiting for this thing to drop. And it was a checks in the mail, checks in the mail, one of those kind of deals. And I was, I, I, I true story. And I, I share this with people so that they can, they can see that when you're winning, it's great. And, uh, but we've all kind of had that hardship. I had to get a credit card out just to pay for Christmas. You know, my wife and I didn't, didn't give presents to each other that year. We just sorted that out for my girls and we just kind of had enough money to scrape together some, some stuff for Christmas dinner. And I, I have never wanted a holiday season to pass so quickly because every day I felt like such a failure. It was, it was so incredibly painful and it was somebody else's decision to, to run away with that money. But I put us there through my business decisions. It was my decision to work with him. It was my decision to agree to those terms. I, I beat myself up something chronic. And the reason I say this is when I was, I was reading this book over this holiday season, and there's a bit where Richard Branson talks about, I think it was his publishing company, or it may even have been the beginnings of the airline. But anyway, the story remains the same. He's hiding in his under the desk in his office at home because the bank manager is banging on the door front door and sitting on his step and looking through the windows trying to find him. And he's hiding under there because he knows he's waiting to hear back from two deals that if just one of them drops, he's going to have the cash flow to avoid the bank. And he's just sat waiting for this to happen. This is Richard Branson. Just a few days ago, the guy was in space with his like galactic flight thing. The guy's a billionaire, lives on his own island in the, in the Caribbean or wherever. And he's hiding under his desk from the bank manager because he's about to go bust. And I read that at the perfect time for me. That was the perfect time for me to read that paragraph because I read it and was like, you know what? If Richard Branson went through this and now look at where he is, like this doesn't have to defeat me. Like he was talking about losing millions and millions of dollars. I'm talking about losing 80 grand, like in the grand scheme of things. It's not the end of the world. I'm going to be okay. But it took me from 
complete despair, oh my God, everything is screwed, to actually it's really not that bad, which is why I think you should use that punch in the face thing more often. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I will put both of the links in the show notes for that. Uh, Speaking of the show notes, uh, guys, we're coming to the end of the podcast. So Kieran, we've put some details in the show notes for you as to how people can get in contact with you. Who is it that you want to hear from and what action is it that you want them to take? Sure. So there's two very distinct people that I work with uh, outside of total mental performance and in my private, my private coaching, these tend to be, um, you know, business owners, executives, high net worth, but their challenges are very different. They're the kind of people where they've achieved this success and they're now thinking now what I sh- it should feel better than this. And are either overthinking and feeling a lot of anxiety and overwhelm. Maybe they're just bored. Maybe they're just feeling really low and they can't figure it out. So on my private coaching, I work with those individuals to help figure that out. So for those, um, go into the show notes. There's an email address there, um, which is just KLO at Total Men's Performance. If you send that to me directly, that'll come through. The other half is if you're a fitness entrepreneur or if you're in the fitness industry, and a lot of what we spoke about, the imposter syndrome, the comparison syndrome, that overwhelm, that stress, uh, if all of that is is something we think, actually, yeah, that's 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 hit the nail on the head um then you can use the same email address as well but just let me both of you just let me know that you heard me through this podcast because i get a lot of emails so i'm not necessarily going to um i'm not necessarily going to see all of them but if you just put in the the subject line um maybe just put b-i-b um i'll get onto that right away perfect thank you very much brother i love that loving the love uh mel what about you my friend we want to invite everybody to the syndicate. So what we're doing now is we're launching a business incubator for everybody. We do not want you to feel like I'm a startup. I don't have access to experts. We want to make sure that we can teach you to go right from the startup stage all the way to optimizing to go public. And that's why we formed a syndicate, a consortium of guys who've done these things, who have taken companies public, who have had you know, nine-figure infomercials. You know, who are doing things like, you know, business optimization for billion dollar companies. This is what we want to help you with, because even if you're a small startup, the same lessons apply. It's, you will not believe when you hear some of these people talk about, you know, I just started a tire shop compared to I've got a seven billion dollar company. It's all the same problems. Scale is the issue because scale just increases or decreases problems. You still have to serve your customers. You still have to keep your employees happy. You still have to get your referrals. You still have to have all your automation systems in place. All of that has to happen, whether it's your first day in business or your hundredth year of your of a family-owned empire, it's always the same problems. And the reason being is you're great at what you do. You, you're, you become so beautiful and so perfect at what you do. And then you try and hire people around you, but they've been hired by you. So they've been forced to adapt your mindset or you get canned. And we see that from all stages and all levels. That's why it, and one of the projects that Phil and I love doing together is optimizing businesses to take them public. That, mm-hmm. that is, it's kind of a passion project for us to get these businesses. So they're so close to ready to go public, but they know that there's going to be X, Y, and Z systems that have to escalate them for the market to want to buy. They need to have precise marketing plans in place. They have to have a mission statement that explains exactly how they're going to serve the public audience, which once you have you know, a, a board of directors, once you're selling stock, it's a whole different situation, but it's still a business and it's still has to run properly. So I just want everybody to show up. I want people to learn from us, whether it's your first day in business or whether you're waiting to go on NASDAQ tomorrow, 
come and see what we've got to say and ask us questions. This is a, a consortium of experts who are all of the same mindset. Ask us anything. Absolutely. Completely agree. I can back that up. It's uh, one of the things I'm very excited about us starting together. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, it, it's funny, isn't it? Uh, Kieran, you touched on it before, like the people look at different ends of the, at the scale, kind of look at each other, but they've all pretty much got the same problem. Like the people who started a business yesterday and the people who are trying to, um, you know, go to NASDAQ tomorrow to use the analogy that you use, Mel, you know, for many of them, it's mm -hmm. nobody knows that I exist. I need more of a personal brand. I don't have the systems. I don't have the mission statement. I'm not clear on who it is I'm working with. Like it, it's all the same stuff. Like it's at different levels, but whether you're trying to earn a hundred thousand dollars or a hundred million dollars, it's all the same stuff. Um, exactly. So, now, there, there's guys who are spending a million dollars a month in Facebook ads. They can get the same results out of twenty five thousand. Yeah, it's crazy because it? they need the systems in place to monetize the leads properly. Yeah, doesn't matter how many leads you got if you're not monetizing them properly, treating them like they're gold and getting referrals out of them. Okay, how big your business is, you're going to continue gushing money for no reason. No, absolutely. Guys, before we go, I'm curious. I want to ask you both because we've 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 discussed a lot of things here um today. Karen, I'll start with you. What do you think your what do you think your biggest takeaway has been from this conversation today? Because I've certainly learned a lot from speaking with the two of you. Good question. Um I think I hadn't really thought about automation that much because I don't really spend any time in that world uh i'm for where we're at right now in terms of mental performance you know we're a small team there's six of us um so we don't necessarily have that that scale but i can see now how actually not focusing on retention and not looking after leads at every single step of the customer journey and i used to sell this software i used to sell data analytics and crm software that used to automate all of those journeys um i've never really thought about it from a from a total mental performance as a business owner thinking for myself i haven't really thought about it that much it's pretty much been our whole business has just been built on serving our customers and then they've just all got we don't even ask for referrals they just happen so the good news is it's a sign that we've got a really shit hot product um but yep. at the same time it, we want to help a thousand people over the next three years so if we're going to do that 500 of those via our charity work and 500 via our business like we can't necessarily get to that scale with kind of the way that we're doing it. So there's probably a lot that we could leverage there. So I guess selfishly as a business owner, that's the thing that I've thought, ah, how does that work? Well, there's a conversation for the two of you to have off air for sure. <laughs> I mean, there you go. Matchmaker strikes again. <laughs> um, I'll take my cut. No, I'm joking. Um, but no, seriously, the two of you should absolutely have that conversation because uh, that makes total sense to me. And actually, um, you may well be looking to up those numbers once you plug in what Mel's able to do in terms of the people that you're going to be able to help and reach in that period. Or uh, yeah, dude, that's that's mega exciting. And you're right you have a shit hot product very good at what you do so imagine if even more people knew that and there was an automated way of touching that that process and guiding people through that sounds beautiful what about you mel what's your biggest takeaway from the interview buddy you know man what karen just said reinforces so much in my mind he's sold systems yeah he's sold crms he's sold automation and yet what we've talked about today is a mystery then so it mm. just shows you that you know, because you're selling a product, I'm sure you understood your product so, so well. You knew every button, switch, and lever, but you didn't know why it was so powerful. So it's always that end result. You know, it's like, you know, it's not the car, it's where you're going. Mm. You know, that's how I feel about all this stuff. It's like, there's a million people out there selling system software. You know, there's a million SaaS products out there. 
but why are you using them? What is the end result you want? And did you actually spell it all out? The, the fact that somebody who sold that stuff is still questioning it makes me wonder, what about people who know nothing? I mean, and again, hearkening back to your buddy, the, the um, Instagram guy, he's got a million followers and doesn't know how to monetize them. I mean, for God's sakes, <laughs> what is the point of all this? If you can't figure out how to stay, you know, how to maintain your elite status, yet still help people and not look like a jerk doing it. This is what, this is easy. This is not hard stuff. You just got to figure out how to do it. I think I'm seeing why Mel has no hair left. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, guys, I'm, I'm going driving me crazy. <laughs> uh, no, I love it. Absolutely love it, man. Well, I've really enjoyed this. I've taken a lot away from it. I'm sure you have as an audience too. Uh, just to reiterate those points, definitely check out the show notes below. Drop Kieran a message. Let him know you've come from here. Um, whether you think he's an absolute lunatic and you want to have that conversation with him or whether you want to talk to him about the high net worth stuff or indeed uh, you're a fitness entrepreneur that's listened to this and gone, you know what? I really should be having those conversations. Um, yeah, you really should. So uh, drop him an email and have that discussion. Uh, Mel, really excited about the syndicate buddy and everything that we're doing there. I cannot wait for, for the stuff that tumbles out of that. I think it's just exciting that we're taking some of the conversations that we all have in private and making them public. Because I mean, there's multi-million dollar conversations happening all the time that now people are actually going to be able to come and ask their questions <laughs> and say, hey, here is my problem. Can you do that for me? And uh, the stuff that tumbles out of those discussions is phenomenal. So thank you both so much for being here. Uh, the audience, make sure you check out the notes below. Uh, share this podcast with anybody you feel that this would be useful for, which should be pretty much everybody, provided they want to make money and do well in business. Just um, pretty much describes the entire business market, doesn't it? Um, until next time, take care of yourselves, guys. This is Billionaires in Boxes, an award-winning podcast and TV publicist for businesses.